Hello everyone, I am back again today with another podcast. Today I'll be doing like a brief biography, like a brief history of the Celtic people, kind of like who they were, kind of what tools did they use, and I'm also going to focus a bit on their Roman conflict, their conflict with the Roman peoples. I think I think is it weird is that we never really focus on the Celtics as much as we, we don't really focus, I feel like we don't focus enough on the barbarians when we talk about the Romans and the whole barbarian conflicts. I feel like it would be interesting to cover more about their history and just, like, what they were. Make the knowing and learning about the conflict much more interesting. I like, can kind of relate to the different sides. Well, time to get to the podcast, folks. So, for those who do not know what Celts are, Celts is actually a umbrella term, term of sorts that was used to refer to many different tribes. There's different groups, including the Gauls, who were in France, and the... I believe they pronounced Celtiberians. I can't remember exactly how they pronounced it, but Celtiberians, who were kind of in this... Iberian Peninsula. They ended up migrating further through to Europe, and just as a result of both, like the influence of Rome, or no, like both, both like the result of the movement of both Romans and Saxons. They began to feel constricted. They began to have like some clashes. In addition, just to like these began to trigger movements, and eventually, some of them would migrate to Britain around five hundred BCE, and. Britain will be basically the the part where they would remain the longest, and the part where they would remain till they were eventually just pushed back and kind of weakened further and further by the Anglo-Saxons and various other groups. But Britain was basically their final stronghold. For those who do not know, like, what Celts were, like, how they lived, I'm going to do that next. They would live and often live in small farming communities, which would usually have a hill for it. For those not know, a hill for it's kind of like, it's kind of hard to describe, but it is basically like this fortress built on a hill that kind of gives it a vantage point and just other things. They would often have thatched roofs, so those not know what thatched roofs are, it's a type of roof construction. And Celtics would often have these kind of round houses, which would be organized in a way like they would have a public area in the center, then various other things on the sides. A thing to note about Celtic society they wasn't. They weren't very centralized people. They were just small tribal communities with usually a chieftain and some warriors, and they would kind of just live in a certain area and just kind of do a certain thing. And one of the reasons that people like these hill, the one of the reasons that they would build these hill forts in the first place is kind of to help protect the tribes and kind of like keep them safe. There was some conflict within Celtics between Celtic tribes, I believe. I remember, like, if it was a lot of it, but they did have some conflicts between them. In addition, they would con- have conflicts with both the Romans and Saxons, so the hill fort served as a way of self-defense. And a thing to note is that the Celtics, the Celts, not Celtics, sorry, the Celts would use a lot of iron technology. They would use a lot of plows, they would use a good amount of scythes and sickles. They would also use something known as a rotary carn, which kind of lets you turn grain into flour, and they would also improve greatly upon the weapons that were previously had. A thing to note, however, Celtic medicine was, I don't want to say bad, but it was just a very odd and primitive technology system, like, not technology, odd and primitive practice system. During this time, they had druids as the med- a lot of the medical practitioners, but not who druids are. Druids are kind of a pagan thing, which is associated and kind of related to the Celts. It's a very nature-based religion and nature-based religious practices. You know, nature spirits, that type of stuff. 
one of the main things they would do is trepanning. I think it's kind of interesting how when we look back at a lot of these societies, we notice that they would often perform the trepanning trepanning procedures. Even Stone Age and other groups would perform it, which I think is kind of odd that this was such like a common practice and how this, like, this was considered to be a wise practice. Those who do not know what trepanning was, back then they believed the source of headaches was evil spirits like inside your like body so that they thought like the best way to relieve a headache or kind of make you feel better was to drill a hole in your skull to release the demons as you can probably guess drilling a hole in a human skull is risky and there was quite a few casualties and quite a few deaths in the process and this is just like and this process would only increase with the celts in the stone in the iron age because the iron age would lead to sharper and tougher tools which would definitely aid in the trepanning of human skulls, as an iron drill is probably more efficient than, a, like, a stone or wood drill, just because iron is a stronger material, generally, compared to those. Another thing we need to know about Stokes is that they kind of had this obsession with human heads. They had this kind of belief that the soul was harbored in the head, and as a result of this, they would often decapitate their fallen victims, and they would display them, so like after they would win a battle, they would usually cut off or remove the heads of the enemies who they had killed, and they would display them on houses. We believe, you know, historians believe that this could have functioned as both a way of, like, bragging, like, I killed this many people, I am a great warrior type deal, or kind of a scare technique, like, don't mess with me, I killed all of these people. Which I think is, both of those make a lot of sense. Now I'm going to do a bit more on their tools and technology. I already talked about plows and scythes. However, I'm going to do a bit of, like, explanation on why these were so useful. Scythes, in addition to being able to be used to cut crops, you can also chop wood. And they make harvesting something that's much easier for people to do, which is very useful. And plows let you break up soil, which can help improve the fertility of the ground and let you plant crops both easier and better. A thing to note, they did use spears, but the spears they would use back then were different than the ones we have today. A thing to note today... Not today, but like a thing you know in the medieval period, spears began to narrow and narrow and narrow. This is due to the development of more advanced armor that necessitated the concentration of the spear points force into a smaller like space to let them get through and injure people. Before this, spears were often broader. This is because they would be used for slashing and they would be used to make wider, more deadly wounds. And just while the later spears would focus more on armor penetration. So over time, you can actually see an evolution in the design of the spearhead for something narrower and broader, wider and broader to something more narrow as armor evolved over time. Another thing to note, the Celtics actually wore two different types of helmets. And just to warn you, I am probably going to pronounce these names wrong. The Monte Fortino and the Coolis. The Coolis was also a helmet that the Legionnaires would use quite often, which I think is interesting that there's like this kind of cultural or just military similarity between both of them. A thing that I also noticed is that the Celts used much longer swords. As a general rule, long swords and like longer, not long, long, but like longer swords as iron and steel technologies allowed for great improvement over bronze because weapons could be made longer and tougher and just they can make bigger weapons. Just let them make more powerful weapons and eventually swords would become very popular due to this ability to be long. An important type of sword to note is the Falcata sword. For those who do not know what this is, this was a Celtic sword used in the Iberian Peninsula, which is both Spain and Portugal. 
and there's a mountain range that separates that from France, and it's just kind of this cool little peninsula. This is a very short sword that was used often for quick slashes. I think now this type of sword would be used often in various types of combat. And that I know that people today often think of swords as just these long and giant weapons. However, short swords are very common too because a short sword is actually quite useful for combat as someone who carried a shield or the Roman legion is because in close quarters, it's easier to maneuver and use a shorter sword than just to use a massive long sword. In addition, back then, remember, less armor means you don't need as powerful of a light or as concentrated of a blow, so you can use different techniques, which were now not as useful today because of armor, and not as useful during the medieval period because of armor. A thing to note, time to talk about some Celtic armor. The Celtics had a certain type of armor that was mainly for the rich, known as Seenlan. This was a mixture of this linen and metal scales that they would sew on to chainmail armor. This would kind of be like a way of just like adding protection onto chainmail and just kind of making it tougher. However, this was pretty expensive, as you can probably assume, so only the nobles and rich traditionally would wear this, while the poor would wear leather or no armor at all. I feel like this is an interesting, this is not necessarily interesting, but this is definitely a noticeable trend in this medieval history and in European history in general. The better military gear would often go to the rich in the past, as even the past, it's not like today where the military funds every the na the national governments or just government funds everything. Back then, a lot of your equipment would be purchased by you, or like the only way to get better equipment would be to purchase it yourself. So you'd see knights. the The more rich a knight was, they would have extra horses and extra gear, which would be very useful for them. And there's have all types of various beneficial, these like beneficial armor for the rich, while the poor would have to do without or with less armor, which I think is kind of this, it kind of represents, in a way, the way that, like, in Europe, being of a higher status was so much more useful in various ways, including in war. Another thing to note, the Celtics initially were not people who focused on range combat, however, they did occasionally begin to transition in a way after they encountered Viking peoples. It was just because the Vikings would use bows, and I feel that I'm assuming, I don't know if this is actually, this is kind of like a hypothesis or historical opinion, that after seeing the effectiveness of bows, they realized that they could be useful for them. Now I'm going to kind of talk about the total expansion of their society. The Celts at the peak were in France, northern Italy, a large swath of the middle of Europe. They would control a lot, they wouldn't get like near the coast of the north a lot. They wouldn't get to, like, the coast of Germany, but they would be kind of in center Germany. They actually got as far east as into Romania. They got a bit into some of the countries. I believe they got into part... They would be... Their range is kind of in what we would now consider modern-day Belarus. However, it's no longer... But it was not Belarus back then. And another thing to know about... I previously mentioned that there were... I... That people... That there possibly were Iberians... Cyclics on the Iberian Peninsula. There was this is just sometimes a topic of contention. Another thing to note: the Celtics actually originated in the foothills of the Alps. For those who do not know what the Alps are, they are a major mountain range in Central Europe, and they were in the Austrian part of these. This is kind of where they came from. And another thing to note is that the Celtic expansion would, the largest extent would be reached in the year two, around the year 275 BC. We don't know exact, BCE, sorry. We don't know exactly when, but we know it was very close to this time period. Because this is kind of when they were at their peak. And I'm going to try to talk about some other settlements. I mentioned earlier that they would often live in hill forts, especially in Celtic Britain, mainly in Celtic Britain. However, there were also other forms 
of fortifications and things, which I think should not go unnoticed. First, I'm going to talk about a a brock. For those who do not know what a brock is, a brock is a type of kind of hollow-walled structure. This is very Iron Age, and I believe they were actually once classified as complex Atlantic roundhouses. These are kind of these well-walled and well-made structures. In addition to this, oh no, the one of the reasons behind this construction of these as opposed to wooden forests is that in the north part of Britain, stone would be often more common than wood, so they would focus on these in addition. They would also create something known as a cranog, which they would put on the sides of various locks in Scotland. Another thing to note is that hill forts themselves were a thing that had much variation. The Hitchwainian was not always holy. Sometimes they had to make them. Sometimes they had to make a valley fort. Sometimes they had to make a plateau fort. Other times, they had to build them on rivers, while others they would build on the coast. Because sometimes you want to control the waterways. Sometimes you want to have this control over water travel. And sometimes, not even all of them were built for the purpose of defense. And even then, the buildings here were different. Well, that's all for today, folks. I will do a separate podcast on how the Celts resisted the Roman advancement incursion into their society. Thanks for listening, folks.